Welcome to Punk Rockers B-Sides. B-Sides are additional content outside the usual scope of our podcast that we think our listeners will enjoy. Look for them on Sporadic Fridays. Enjoy the B-Side! there this what is it well if you must know it's a diorama yeah what's in it it's an older one Hemingway decided to box a clown (laughs) and it is in an Altoids tin there is a black background and a very buff Hemingway boxing Ronald McDonald he's the clown (laughs) (laughs) what's that one this is Anatomy of a Crime Scene. I forget which number this is. I've done a bunch of them. It's a black and white scene. It's in it, the door on the scene. So the, the it's another Altoids tin, and the background is white, and the, the door says Gymnasium Locker Room. And so there's all sorts of things in the room. There's a loudspeaker. There's a speed bag. There's a sign that says Physical Evidence. There's a belt vibrator. It says <laughs> DNA on it. There's boots. It says Odor. There's a jump rope. That's actually a very cool jump rope. We made it with thread. Yeah, so that's right. It's yep. really cool. And a horse. It's a, a swinging horse thing. Um, fluid is on that. And then there's particulate matter yeah, there. Yeah, those are all elements of crime scenes. Yes, that's, that's true. That's why they're labeled. So today I'm here with Jim, in case you haven't figured this out. Hello, Jim. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> like That's my showbiz podcast voice yeah you've been trying to teach me about showbiz for a while now i know and actually you're doing a lot better with it than i am (laughs) so today we're going to talk to jim about a joie de vivre so first of all can you tell the listeners what you mean by joie de vivre for me joie de vivre is it's that element of joy in life that I get personally, I get from doing art or making things. I spend a lot of time making dioramas and I animate things and I write music and all of that completely enriches my life. I have these things for sale and I do them as services, but that's not how I make my living. And by having this be something that I do outside of my professional life, I have complete freedom in this area and it totally enriches all the other areas of my life. Yeah, I feel the same way about those sorts of things. I mean, for me, the minute I actually for me, it's it's really strict in that the minute I have to do something, I don't want to do it. But yeah, commissions are a little, can be like that. Like, oh, why did I say I would do this? Or yeah. If I have to do something twice, somebody wants me to make something again. It's so much harder the second time. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so, so but like we have that in common because I think you get the same joy out of sewing and and what you do. Yeah. And I think we're well matched because in this house, it's it's all studio space, and yeah. so you sew and I go do my thing, and then we meet later on. That's right. Yeah. A significant part, I think, of the joy that we experience in life has to do with our recovery. And we both have anniversaries coming up. Yes, and yours, uh, uh, five years, is tomorrow. That's right. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. By the time this comes out, it will have already passed. But you're coming up on three years soon. Mm -hmm. But you were sober for a long time before that. I was. I was actually sober for most of my adult life. I drank through college and then I got sober and had a complete career in life and then uh, started again, you know, later in my adult life and had trouble stopping by myself. So I got some help 
and was able to get sober. And I think the difference now that 20 years was fine. It was, it was a fine life, but having recovery now gives me a bunch of tools to deal with this stuff. And I don't think this is just for people with addiction problems or, or whatever. It's, it's, I think these are human tendencies that we have, like in my case, uh, generating resentments. <laughs> so, so having tools to be able to see, notice that as it's happening and have it, have it be different is hugely helpful in my life. It's been yeah. uh, very transformational. Just things as simple as not drinking and messing something up. So that's just like plain, you know, like not having a mess on your hands, but also feeling the energy and vitality and joy to be able to do that. Yeah, like not being hung over, you know, those awful waking up at uh, one or two in the morning and, you know, there's a split second of consciousness and then you feel awful. Yeah. And in my case, I'm wondering what I bought or who I talked to or <laughs> or whatever. One time I I, uh, I worked on this animation for hours. And when I looked at it the next day, one of the characters didn't have an arm. And I didn't <laughs> notice it. Like I thought I'd done this amazing thing and crushed it. And so that was really unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the type of work that you do for art. You're a musician, you're a visual artist, and an animator. And so we've talked a little bit about your dioramas, your small dioramas, but you also do big dioramas. You want to talk a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. I like doing the dioramas. I cut paper drawings out and I make them three-dimensional. So I like to say I extrude the drawings to make them more interesting. I do bigger ones in bigger boxes. And I also like to do long scroll drawings, and those usually end up in film or animation, but they can be 20 feet long, 25 feet long. And some of them are pretty huge in terms of the drawing, too. They're not tiny like most of the cut paper dioramas. So I'm a drummer. Um, I studied music composition in my undergraduate degree, and I play drums, bass, and guitar primarily, but I can also write for orchestra, and, you know, I, I can write for piano. I don't play it very well, but... Um, I, I enjoy that. And I make soundtracks for my animation, which is really fun because in animation, all these things come together, whether that's drawing or stop motion or making sculptures that I end up animating and then applying music to it. And one thing I like to do is write music um, or find sounds in the world and listen to them with my eyes closed and then figure out what visual information there is in there. And then I'll make a film based on that. And that's a lot of fun, too. So one of the things I really liked that you did was the your cicada animation. And there was real life cicadas in there. I think there was other found sounds that you put in that as well. But you also like you include this like fun, jazzy kind of music that, that they're running around to. Mm -hmm. I think that's so much fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was a fun summer. It was last summer. Yeah. Although it feels like 10 years ago now. But we had the brood axe, yeah. the cicada. Every 17 years, we have this giant invasion of cicadas and they were all over everything and they were deafeningly loud and I was working on an animation in the yard and they were crawling over my my stuff so I did this cut paper animation about two cicadas that come up from larvae in the ground and then sort of their experience in being here it's very short and the music was fun that's kind of based on chicha libre this this music and i sort of aped that a little bit and i did sample cicadas in our neighborhood and use yeah. those in there yeah, yeah, it's always it was fun. cool. It was a good. It was kind of a neat way to commemorate that summer. Yeah. So another area of joy in your life that I kind of want to talk about is uh -oh. <laughs> 
maybe lots of folks don't know this about you, but of anyone I know, there is no one that I know that loves sandals more than you. And I, sandals for you to wear, sandals for me to wear, sandals, you just love sandals. We have a lot of sandals, don't we? Yeah, we have yeah. a few pairs of sandals in this house. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it at all? Well, I, I, I What's yeah. your first memory about sandals? So my first memory, I remember we were in Florida and I was three or four years old. We were in Florida for a conference that my dad was attending and they took me into a kid's shoe store to get me a pair of sandals. It was really hot. And I was looking at the, they had these thong sandals with ankle straps on the shelf and I, I really wanted those. And the clerk said, no, those are for girls. You can't wear those. And so they got me a pair of Buster Aww. Brown. Yeah, I know. Little boy sandals or whatever. But um, I was interested in them all, all the way back then. I think what's interesting about sandals is that I don't differentiate between men and women's sandals. And I actually prefer women's sandals because I think they look better. I like the designs better. I'm not a big fan of mandals. And if people like mandals, more power to you. I do like Birkenstocks and they're clunky and kind of, they can be sort of goofy looking, but they're so comfortable. Yeah. Well, now you just got a new pair, a fabulous new pair of sandals. Can you talk about those? Yeah, so for Christmas, you got me a fitting and a pair of sandals from Judah Newman in New York. And so uh, it was really exciting for me. I Let me back up. When I was in my 20s, I was working in a music store in Baltimore. And I used to go up to the, the CMJ Festival in New York City. So I was up there walking around the village and I stumbled in this store. This woman made bags, belts, and sandals. And I was transported when I walked in there, like the smell of the place and all these great designs, like these hippie bohemian, you know, objects and, and shoes and stuff. And we struck up a conversation over a few weeks and she offered me an apprenticeship. To like to learn how to make those shoes. And I, I just couldn't make it work. I yeah. just bought a house. I wasn't making a whole lot of money and it just, it wasn't feasible at the time, but I, that was a bucket list item to put off till later. Cause I really want to learn how to make sandals. And yeah. I know a lot of punk rockers have made shoes and I'd be interested in hearing about that. I've seen that website. I can make shoes, I think. And there's a bunch of things on YouTube. And so I'm starting to collect information about that. So Fast forward to Christmas, you got me an appointment with Judah and we went up there and they traced my feet. I picked out a pair of sandals that I like and we had to go back, right? So that was several trips to the garment district <laughs> that we got to make. But they, the second fit, it was actually like three fittings. The I, I tried them on for the straps the second time. They glued them and then we came back and I walked in them and then they put them together and mailed them to us. And I love them. They're so comfortable. I can't believe how good they feel on my feet. They're perfect. They are, and they're so recognizably Judd Newman. Like they're, if you've not seen Judd Newman shoes, you should go and check out that website. You should go get shoes made by her. They are not cheap, but they are wonderful. Yeah, I, I the craftsmanship is incredible. And I had the Birkenstock type sole added to the leather. So the to last save it. one, yeah, because yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm pretty hard on, on shoes. So... I think one of the cool things about all the things you do, one of the best parts about you is that you are a person that just looks for joy in life. You, If anybody's been around you, they'll know that you're cracking jokes all the time. You, you have a great sense of humor. There might be a few of your jokes spread out in this interview. <laughs> um, but 
I also know that you really have this sense about artists and the joy that they have, and you really want to hear about that. And so you're starting your own podcast. Do you want to talk about that? I do. Thank you very much. I'm starting a podcast about the joy of creativity. It's joie de vivre. What I'm interested in is what do you do that brings you joy when you're doing it? And then how does that impact the other areas of your life? For for me, when I really started doing art, full, you know, like going at it, I got into a really dark place in my life. And art was the thing that got me through that. And it's grown so much since then. And it's so important to me. And so I have a friend from grad school that is obsessed with plants and grows plants. And I'm going to talk to her about that because I know it touches. She's a school teacher and an artist, and it touches the other areas of her life. And I think by having these conversations, also what I hope to tease out is some inspiration for, yeah. for everybody that does something. You don't have to do it for money. You don't have to make a living at it. It doesn't even have to be art, but just this, this pursuit of something that, that you're obsessed with that yeah. brings joy. And the thing that I love about this That's is... not heroin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that... Um, I think what's really interesting is so many things talk about when they talk about an artist, they're sort of talking about how the artist's life or temperament or mental health or whatever affects the art. And what you're talking about is how the art affects the artist. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really interesting concept. And I think folks will love to listen to that. I hope so. I think this is something that art and music therapists already know and probably could tell us all about. And maybe I'll interview some of those. But I know for myself also that I don't do my best work if I'm not feeling 100%. If, I, uh, if I'm a little low or going through a hard time, I make work. And sometimes, like I said before, it pulls me out of it. So that's that's really important. But you know, the idea of the tortured artist or that you have to be this tortured person to make great art, I don't buy it. And I don't think it's true. Yeah. And in fact, there's a study somewhere that says that. <laughs> you know how I love the yeah. random study somewhere. Yeah, that I don't, I don't actually have to cite or produce. I just, I mention it. Yeah, I'll have to show you. Okay. So another thing that I think that really helps you keep joy in your creative process is that you are always learning something new. And recently you went up and even though you have a degree in music and you've been a music therapist and you do all this music with your animation, you went up to learn a different style of music. Let's hear about that. Yeah, I went up to Billy Martin's house and Billy Martin's the drummer for Medeski Martin and Wood. And if you even heard them, you should check them out. They're wonderful, mostly jazz trio, but you can dance to it. I wrote to him. I've been to his house before. I've actually made him a diorama. And I, I wrote to him and asked if he could teach me something about improvisation. When you study music, classical music, that's usually not covered. Uh, maybe parts of 20th century music. There might be some a little bit of that, but uh, it's it was it feels like a blind spot in my world. And that's how I write music, actually, is I improvise. I spend hours noodling until I find something. There's a quote by Stravinsky, uh, something along the lines of, for him, composing was like pigs in the mud looking for truffles. Like you root around until you find something, you know, a truffle, and and then you do something with it. Like for example, this.
so that's that was something I made um, by looping guitar, and I pulled it out, and I'm like, I've no, I've uh, transcribed it, and I can orchestrate it, and I can do something with it, but it's compelling enough to to use anyway. Billy Martin, I went up and I spent a, a Sunday with him, and you can't be taught improvisation really. He can point at things. He gave me a book to read by Derek Bailey, which is a series of interviews with musicians who improvise in different styles, organists, Indian music, Jerry Garcia, and different different uh, jazz, different forms. And it was really, really interesting. My goal in this is to be able to go into a gallery or like a public screening, if they're projecting one of my animations somewhere, and be able to make music that goes along with it on the fly. And that's something that I've never done before. And so I thought I would go and have a lesson and see if I could learn something about that. And it was, it was really great doing that. Yeah, and you have a little bit of music that you made with Billy Martin. Can yeah, you this- share that? This is us. I, I, you know, I didn't make any videos while I was there, but I did set my iPhone down and I made a guitar loop and then we're both playing drums together, which was, I'll never forget that. I got to play drums with him. It was just amazing. podcast, you're going to have people from all different walks of life that have joy and passion about something. And is there a way that people who know someone or people themselves could pitch that to you, could could be on your podcast? Yes. On my website, I have a page dedicated to this. It's jimduran.art slash podcast. And there's a Google form there you can reach me through if you would like me to ask you these questions. That's great. And then also you have Patreon. I do have a Patreon. It's going pretty well. I really like doing it. I make a lot of videos where I explain things or I tell stories and talk about uh, what I'm up to. And it's been really useful for me. I've put out a few albums since I started it. And so people who subscribe get those. I send out a zine or a postcard every other month at the $5 tier. There's a $7.77 tier that you get all that stuff. Plus, I'll send you a diorama after 12 months, one of these Altoids or something in a pocket watch or something like that. And then there's a $77.77 tier, which gets you a diorama every other month, plus all this other stuff and access to the videos. And, And it's been a lot of fun. It's been good for me to talk about stuff, my process. Like I enjoy doing that. And I have a lot of fun making these videos too. Well, I think that people are going to love your podcast. You make great videos. Um, anybody, I think there are some videos that they can access without being Patreon, right? Mm-hmm. So they yep. can see what they're like. That's... I think you should, like, even if you don't want to be in the Patreon, just go and watch because Jim is a really good at explaining things. And I think that people will really enjoy that. I'm just glad that I was able to introduce you to our audience because I know they've liked seeing the occasional picture of you crop up. Mm. Um, But uh, you bring so much joy to my life and I feel so lucky to have you. I'd like to say how impressed I am with you and this podcast. When I met you, you were doing gratitude lists 
daily or thereabouts, and you were doing watercolor and writing these lists out. And a gratitude practice is really important. And that's been important in recovery too, I think. Yeah. It's a huge tool for fending off resentments. And and then you were doing encaustic stuff and you picked that up pretty quick and you did some really impressive pieces. And then you got into sewing. And I don't quite remember the, the timeline from when you started sewing. Immediately, you were making these complicated, you learn so quickly and you're making these complicated things. And then you said to me, you know, I think I'd like to do a podcast. And I thought, okay. And you talked about Jenny and you were going to reach out to her. And I figured it would be six months from that point. And I think it was like within a month, like three weeks later, you guys had the first episodes done and you were, (laughs) you were doing it. And that was really, uh, inspiring. And I like seeing punk frockers and what's happened. And I like being a part of it in my own little way. We wouldn't have our music, our our logo. I mean, those are fantastic contributions. We really thank you for that. Yeah. Well, it's it's been really fun to watch. And I like I really like the community aspect of it. Like, I think that's a it's a service. And from what I can see, a lot of people like listening. So that's really cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. Thanks for having me. I love you. I love you. Is that it? Yeah. See you next Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.